Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Are you ever casual with God's blessings? In today's message, Pastor Jim finishes the story of Jacob taking Esau's birthright. Esau had no regard for the gift he had been given, and he gave it away for next to nothing. It can be hard to look at the world around you and not be tempted to abandon the path of Christ for the easier path of the world. However, Pastor Jim encourages you to stay on the straight and narrow path and to follow God no matter the cost. Following Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Genesis chapter 25 as he continues his message, Pain in the Midst of Promises. What well, God says goes. Right? It's not like we got to vote. Did you ever try to outvote God? We could all vote for anything. Right? All these Americans right now, all American Christians are voting for the way we want the United States to be. God's like, well, get it together. Maybe I'll think about it. But that's not the way it's going to be. Because we are saved by God's grace. But that doesn't mean we just disassociate ourselves from, from living for God. Now, here's the thing we have to remember. Isaiah tells us that God's ways are beyond our ways. Sometimes God's ways, let's be honest, they seem weird. They just seem weird. And they're very unconventional. You're like, well, if I were God, I would do it this way. Well, in the end, we're going to be like, thank God you are not God. And, and if you're new to the faith, you may not like the way God operates. But give it time and as things work themselves out in your life or don't, and you hang on to God and you find your faith growing, you will be thankful for such things in time. And it takes time. Verse 24 through 26, So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. Another verse says, hairy like a fur coat. Listen, if you're ever visiting a woman in a hospital and she has a baby, don't say your baby's hairy like a fur coat, okay? That's like not cool. That's like, you know. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was Jacob. Now, the, the language is not very uh, clear on what his name actually means. It could mean supplanter, which means he took something from somebody else. It could mean that he's a heel grabber. It said that he, grabbed, he took a hold of his heel. And it could mean, may God protect him. I think in Jacob's case, it means all of them. And then it says, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So 40 when he got married, 60 when he had the baby, 20 years of pleading with God, God, you made a promise, how about now? How about now? So maybe you're praying for something, and you've been praying for three days. And you're like, come on, man, let's go. Let's, let's get rolling, baby. Right? Are you ready to pray for 20 years for something? Are you ready to pray for 20 years for that kid, right? Some of you heard this story before. My brother and sister were involved with this religious group at one point in time, and some guy heard me on the radio and sent me an email. He knew my name. 
He knew where I grew up. He knew my address. He knew everything about me. He knew my family's name. And, and he said, we used to have prayer meetings at the end of your driveway for your soul. Ten years before I became a Christian. Ten years. I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. They would say, we'll pray for you. I'd like, oh, you do that. You do that. And so here we have, the, he waits all this time. In the midst of their pain, what did they finally see? That God was in control. And God keeps his promises. But to be honest, we have to face an important fact that a lot of our pain is, is self-inflicted, isn't it? We don't like to admit that. And sometimes we have lessons that we have to learn. So let's go through an example here. Number three, the mistake of favoritism. The mistake of favoritism. You know, um, Isaac's life is flying by. Remember, we waited chapter after chapter after chapter for him to arrive, but now that he's had kids, it, it's, it's going quickly. And, um, and it says this, So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. So what was he? He was a redneck, right? Okay, pickup truck, gun rack on the back. It was actually, that was the guy was supposed to do back then, supposed to go hunting. And so, uh, but Jacob was a mild, or some birds say quiet man, dwelling in tents. Now, he was a shepherd, but it also could be a comparison to Abraham because Abraham was a tent dweller. We don't know for sure. But now look at this, verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. So he liked his son better, Isaac, uh, liked Esau better because he brought him food. That, that's not cool, is it? And then it says, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And the idea is she loved him more. So they each have their favorites. Unfortunately, Isaac did not learn a valuable lesson about his life, one that he had heard about and one that he had lived. He heard earlier from the book of Genesis, no doubt he knew the story, that Cain was less favored than Abel. So what did Cain do? He killed him. That's one way to solve who's the favorite, right? <laughs> now I'll be the only one left. He killed him. But then he also learned that in time, Ishmael was less favored than Isaac, and he watched with his own family how south that whole thing went. Parents, please note, Favoritism will not turn out well. Convince all of your children that they are your favorite. Okay? How many of you right now are willing to say that you're God's favorite? Please raise your hand, everyone in this room, please. Please, come on. Everybody raise your hand. You are God's favorite. Yes, you are God's favorite. Right? We're all God's favorite. Right? I, I, you know, I thought once my kids were raised, I would, I would get over this stuff. But you know it's really hard? being a pastor and not having favorites. I feel like i got to do the same thing again. I'm like, oh, man. Because you, you can't have favorites. you got to love everybody. I love everybody. Some of you are like Jacob, and I still love you. <laughs> not really. Let me see what this guy does. So, so, but it's easy for people to pick favorites because of what they do for you. It's easy to pick favorites 
because of interests that you have. You know, those of you with boys and girls, you know the girls are much better at keeping in touch than the boys. That's, gen that's the general rule. It's not always that way. You know, <laughs> the boys are like, well, if I die, I'll call you. <laughs> that, that might be the easiest thing to do to play favorites, but the consequences will be terrible. Isaac will be deceived, and Rebecca will have to say goodbye to Jacob when he leaves. And later on, stupid Jacob favors Joseph because of the way he because he loves his mother more than the other women that he had kids with. So what does all the brothers do? They put him in a ditch, put him on eBay and sell him. Right? Younger brother, cheap. <laughs> Send him down to Egypt. Right? They, they can't stand him. Now you say, but God picked Jacob. Well, okay, but let's be on guard and prayerfully consider the potential for bad family decisions. All right, number four. The mistake of taking God's gifts for granted. The mistake of God's, another self-inflicted pain. Taking God's gifts for granted. You could say of being too casual with God's gifts. Verse 29 through 31, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. Some versions say he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary. He's like, oh, so tired. I'm so starving, man. I, I need some food. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Or first sell me your birthright as of this day. So what is the birthright? It's very important to understand this. The birthright is what happens when you're born the oldest, you're born first, you, you become the, it's a status symbol, you become the head of the family, you get, a, you get a bigger inheritance. Now, some of you may not be familiar with that. We had that in our family. My grandfather, who he insists I'm named after him, but... I have the same name as my father. I don't know how that works, but um, I am the third. But anyway, he was the second son. They lived in Ireland, and the father died. And my grandfather, got my, his, his older brother, got the farm. And my grandfather got a painting of his father. And they were both drunks. I know Irish people drunks. You're very surprised. And... Um, and eventually, his older brother lost the farm. My, my grandfather was like, before that happened, he goes, I'm out of here. I'm going to the United States. So he's off in the United States. And then he lost the farm. And so we lost kind of track with those people. And then they found us, swindled some of my people out of money over here on this side. They're like, did they ask you for money? I go, yeah, of course he did. Did you lend him money? I said, of course I did. Did you? Uh, no, I'm... Uh... <laughs> And you know what they did? They had the nerve to ask for the picture back. <laughs> Can you believe it? My mother lunged over the picnic table at them. <laughs> right? She said, over my dead body. <laughs> right? My, my dad was deceased by then. And then I called her up and I said, Mom, they offered me like $25,000 for the painting. She said, I said, she said, are you going to take the deal? I said, I am. She says, fine, you're out of my will. 
said, I'm just kidding, Mom. I'm going to get a copy made and go over and sell it to them. <laughs> but, but that's how important the birthright is. I mean, you get everything when you're the oldest. Verse 32 through 33 says, And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? What does that tell us about Esau's character? God gives you the birthright. He he obviously doesn't know what Rebecca knows, and I I don't care. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. You see, lack of faith in the promises of God, weariness, and uncontrollable appetites will often lead us to very bad decisions, won't it? Very bad decisions. And Esau makes a whopper here. Now, we would hope that Jacob would say, hey, brother, of course you can have some stew. Eat up, man. I mean, you've been out hunting. I'm just cooking the stuff up. You can have some, of course. Instead, what does Jacob do? He sees the opportunity. And this is going to tell us the way he's going to be for the rest of his life to cheat his brother out of his birthright, which is a gift from God. So Jacob puts a hefty price tag on a bowl of stew. Must be some good stew. And Esau thinks he's getting a good price. Why does he think he's getting a good price? Because the birthright was worthless to him. Absolutely worthless. So his exaggeration shows us how little he cares. He's like, look, I'm about to die. What's a birthright to me if I'm dead? Again, the birthright entitles him to twice or even more of the inheritance, but he doesn't care. What's more important to him than anything? The moment. How many people do you know, maybe it's you, who've made stupid decisions in the moment? And it has cost you, and cost you, and cost you, and cost you, because you didn't think beyond the moment. How sad it is when people trade what is so important for the moment. When people trade what is of eternal value for a brief moment of what might seem like pleasure, but eventually will lead you to probably something being followed by guilt. Now, this is not easy here. This is an important question to ask ourselves. Is there some sin that you would trade the Lord and the promises of God for? Now, before you answer that question, I would venture to say that every one of us have already done that. Now, the repercussions may be different, but we will trade things in the moment that we know God would not want us to do. And Jacob He sees the shortcut to get the birthright, and he pounces. But he doesn't trust Esau. He says, swear to me and sell me your birthright. We might also say that Jacob doesn't trust God because I would think his mother told him, just bide your time. You're my favorite. Bide your time. The Lord said, you are going to get the birthright. Verse 34 says, And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Now look at this. Thus Esau 
despised his birthright. He took God's gift for granted. He was too casual with a gift from God. And when we're too casual with a gift from God, if we are not careful, we could end up despising it. This is what really concerns me about this theology that has just infected the American church of just invite Jesus into your heart and go live your life however you want. You've, you've sealed the deal on you going to heaven. Really? Where do you find that in the Bible? Please go home and read the Bible cover to cover every day this week. You'll be much smarter when you're done. You'll never find that in there. You'll never find it. Invite Jesus into your heart. No, the Bible actually says that, that Jesus sends the Spirit of Christ into your heart. God doesn't need our invitation anywhere. Like, like I, I, know, I know we say this like, Lord, we invite you into this place. Like, you know, God doesn't need our invitation. Do you know that? He goes where he wants. He's more powerful than Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> right? He does, he does what he wants to do. And so Esau's hunger and desires were so painful to him to the point in time that they were more important than the plans and purposes of God. That word despise can also mean to undervalue something, to treat something with contempt, or even to count something as completely worthless. So what has Esau done so far? He's proven he is not worthy of the birthright. He is too casual with the blessings of God, and he misses it. And I think sometimes we are too casual with the blessings of God that we have. We're not serious enough with it. Esau is outside the kingdom of God. He is outside the kingdom of heaven. He didn't lose something that he wanted. He lost something that was of no value to him. And it's very important that we understand that distinction. This is our world. A lot of people say, well, in the end, God forgives everybody. Why would he do that? Why would, why would people who have no interest in God want to go live with him? They have no desire to be chosen by God. Why would they want to go be with him? And that's, a, again, a, a, a soul-searching question we all need to ask. Are we in Esau? Do we pass up Jesus Christ dying on the cross in our place for our sins for some empty pleasure? So many people we know are making that very mistake. Do we want what the world has to offer instead of God? Or, or what would you choose over worshiping our king? I mean, I noticed something that happened with the whole COVID thing. It was like people were too busy for God. And then COVID came, and they just were like, we'll have to stay home. And then COVID was over, and now they're too busy for God again. There's always some reason, right, that people have. And, and we said at the beginning that, that it's easy to think that we won't emerge victorious, but the hope and help of God is all around us. We just have to grab it. Now, Jacob, 
he's not worthy of it either. He sees an opportunity for himself, but instead of waiting for God's timing, what does he do? He, he takes the shortcut, and it's not going to turn out well for him either. But as we go further in his life, we'll see he's a heel-grabbing deceiver that almost always thinks, you know what, the shortcut. That's the way to go. But Jacob, like everyone else in the Bible except for Jesus, proves to us that salvation, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, is all by the grace of God. It's not because of anything that we've done. It's because what Jesus has done for us. So how does God do it? He simply sends his one and only son, who was not at all like Jacob and Esau. He's the anti-Jacob, the anti-Esau. In fact, Jesus valued his birthright so much that the Bible says he was tempted in all ways like we are yet without sin. There's every shortcut imaginable. Read Matthew 4 when the devil's tempting Jesus. You know what those are? Shortcuts. One shortcut. Next shortcut. Next shortcut. And Jesus is like, no, there's no shortcuts. My path goes via the cross of Christ. I'm the, he says, I'm going via the cross. And then what does Jesus do? He obeys his Father in all his ways, even going to the cross. And then what does he do? To people who so often dismiss him, he offers that to share that birthright with you. He offers to share that birthright with me. I mean, I just sit there and I'm like, all the times when I'm waiting on God, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then I come to the foot of the cross and I realize what he's doing. He's sharing, Jesus is sharing that birthright with me. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> Why would you share it with me? It makes no sense. Why would you take the punishment for our sins on the cross? Why would you pay? Now, not with a bowl of stew, but you would pay for the very cost of your life. Why would you, Jesus, experience great pain in the midst of the promises that you're offering to me? That all, and all I have to do, you said, was all I have to do is repent and believe. All I have to do is turn to you and put my trust in you instead of myself. And Isaiah tells us that Jesus was despised and rejected by this world. He still is by so many people. He experienced tremendous pain on the cross, the worst pain of all of being forsaken by his heavenly father. So as we go through the life of Isaac and Jacob, particularly Jacob, remember that Jesus is the savior that Jacob needs. Jesus is the Savior that you need. Jesus is the Savior that I need. And Jesus is the Savior who calls each and every one of us now. You will leave this place with one of two decisions. You will leave here 
saying, Jesus is worthy, or you will leave here saying, I came in despising him, and I leave despising him. If you think Jesus is worthy, you must put your trust in him, remembering that he makes you worthy in the presence of God. When Jesus ascended into heaven, a man stood before God and did not die. God became a man and stood before God the Father and did not die. You will be able to stand before God and not be torched if you have put your trust in Jesus because you are worthy in God's eyes of the birthright of Jesus when you put your trust in him. And after that, pain, promises, through it all, who knows what God would do with your life. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.